Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is Talking With. I'm in here with Jesse Loesch. How are you doing? I'm good. I always love talking to you. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so we start these the same way. What club do you support? Oh, just one? Mainly. I mean, if you have multiple, I'm willing to listen. Okay. <laughs> I love I'm willing to listen. I'm going to judge you, but I'm willing to listen. Um, uh, Spurs and Panero. Panero? Like bread? Like yes, Panero? It's the like, little what? known... Carbolo. No, Peñarol is um, in Uruguay's... Uh, Can you spell it for me? P-E-N-Y-A-R-O-L. I've, I've never heard of them. I'm, no. Ah, you know, really? my Copra Libertadores knowledge is quite limited. Oh, unless well, you're it's missing Santos. out, because that's where all the light... And when I say action, like the best from from outrageous refs to red cards, like that's where it's at. And what country do you support? We, 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 we know yes, this. Okay, we, okay. We've been there. Where did you grow up? Uh, These are all foundational questions, by the way. Everybody okay. gets asked them. I trust you. I believe you. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in uh, New York and New Jersey. And where were you born? Were you born there? I was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. And I've learned to ask this one. To what extent was your playing career, if you had one? Oh, I mean, I... I don't think I can call this a career with unless we're like stretching things way past stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I played as a kid, um, you know, rec leagues, all of those things. But when my both my parents worked full time, so when it came time to have to like put us in a car and drive us further than two towns, one borough over, that was sort of it. Would you have wanted to play more? I mean, at 11, when I was playing like, you know, every day outdoor, indoor soccer, thinking that you know, yes, but also like that was still sort of around the same time as the 99ers. So I, I didn't have any concept that women could like play as a career. I just knew I really liked playing. Mm. See, now that's interesting. Actually, you know, this is one of the football memories that overlooks in my Like I generally only when I'm thinking about football, <laughs> I generally only think about men. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the default. So I think my first actual footballing memory, if I could, I was born in 1990. So my first one that I can actually distill 
is 96 in the Olympics. Hmm. Then, then we get 98. And I can remember the final. I can remember Emmanuel Petit's flowing locks. Yes. As, as, as he scores the third goal against Brazil, which I'm quite sure you enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> and then my mind goes, it skips over 99 into 2000. But 99 is a quite visceral experience for me. Number one, it was on television. It was on at a good time. Yeah. And... She took her shirt off. So I remember being a, a, a eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid watching the penalty shootout live. And like she scored, uh, Chastain, Chastain, yeah. she scores, she takes her top off. And was, I was like, is she supposed to do that? But See, then I was like, I, I mean, but like. She they, wasn't supposed to until the I know, backlash. But, and and they had uh, Brianna Scurry, who was yeah. one of my favorite players, like a black goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. Since when? Same. You know? Brianna Scurry will forever when I have to pick like top 11 or top keeper Brianna Mm -hmm. Scurry is forever in my lineup you don't rock with Hope Solo I'm joking I'm joking we can have a conversation (laughs) later but no it's 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 like when you said the 99ers in the context of like playing football like that is that is I don't know can I call it a seminal thing to me I don't know because because it, it didn't impact me in the way that I'm sure it did you, but it does, it does register. And I shouldn't skip it when I talk about my kind of footballing lineage. Cause like, I, I remember watching the game. It was against China. I yeah. Think. And yeah, yeah, I remember that game. Me and yeah, him. I mean, like yeah, she, him, me, Christine Lilly, Michelle Akers with her crazy curls. And and then once they told me that um, me and him went to UNC. Oh, yes. well, Come on, like that's she's Jordan. So yeah, (laughs) like of course that's that's she's a target. Yeah, that's Jordan. That was um, yeah. I don't even know if we if I mean I don't I did not realize how I'm gonna steal your word how seminal that was until after because it I mean clearly obviously there is so much work to do but it like normalized so many things just representationally Mm -hmm. and I mean that team was just stacked. Yeah. And and the reason I asked, would you have liked to play more is because when I've talked to people that live like in a UK context, football is basically everywhere. But then when I talk to people in America, especially of a certain age, I've given my age. I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but you can kind of. Thank you you so much. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you can agree or disagree based on what I say. And then we can gauge it it from there because I've already given you mine that. When we were growing up, football wasn't as accessible. So what what we had to do was you either played it with friends or in the park or whatever, or school teams, or in my case, it was more just like a video game thing. Mm. And that's kind of what hooked me in that way because it wasn't on television unless it was like international tournaments like 99, 98, et cetera. Um, So when I asked, would you have liked to play more? I wonder, was that limited in the sense of how the United States goes about its football. You basically have to pay to play. And then you already mentioned, you know, you have to drive to these places, maybe, is it upstate New York or like just outside of New York City where there's actually grass or like, how does that work? You can't see me, but I'm I'm like nodding my head in affirmation of all of these things. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when, when I was growing up, my father who had played professionally in other countries, Mm -hmm. he played on this like, hobby team with other I think mostly Latin American but like you know it was a bunch of immigrants who were like hey we missed this thing and organized a league so 
you know, we were surrounded by it in a way in like, we would go to see him. There were always like, you know, soccer balls in the house. You could kick it around. My brother and I probably broke each other's fingers and toes a thousand times by playing one-on-one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you like you, you know, when as opposed to when I was when I'm in Uruguay where it's just it seems as if a ball just sort of is produced whenever there's more than one kid. Right? Like <laughs> you kick about like anywhere. Um, or if you have more than like five minutes, you know, you just start kicking a ball around. You have to create that or like seek that out here. And whether that's like playing or like paying for weird streaming or like searching for weird streaming or, you know, like it's not, um, you have to do the work to, to find it. The, the New York City thing of it all is very interesting. Maybe by virtue of the fact that like New York is maybe I'm just New York centric, but I think like in its, in the way that it's so accessible, you know, you can walk or like hop on the train and get to like, you know, it's not going to be like a green space, <laughs> but you don't have to drive. And the fact that it that it is more first, second gen immigrate, like, I feel like it's easier to find like just a pickup match in the sort of places that New York calls parks or fields <laughs> that are maybe just like <laughs> patches of lawn or like dirt, but you still f- like you find them easily. Yeah, that I was I was thinking something along those lines where New York is a quite the the term they use in social studies is like a melting pot, right? Mm-hmm. So there's studies, v- yeah. various cultures. But then when I when I think about New York, and this is just as an aside, like yeah, there's a bunch of people in one place, like if the place is the city. But from the outside looking in, I mean there's like Spanish Harlem, Harlem, Little Italy, Chinatown, Koreatown. Yeah, but some you- of those places are like three blocks. Is it? Yeah. I mean you don't you're walking like little Italy is like yeah, like literally three square blocks, and then like, you step too far, and you're like, "Whoop! I'm in Chinatown." You know, Koreatown is like two avenues. So, like, is is it actually as diverse as it claims, or are people just kind of together in their own little enclaves next to other diverse people? That's but are people actually interacting in that way? Would basically be my question. That's as somebody who I've, I think I've driven past New York. I don't think oh I've my god! Been. Okay, where you have to remedy that somehow? I just that's. <laughs> deeply devastating on a just Do you know what? okay all right since since I, I again there there are no rules my mom doesn't fly okay. so when we would drive from north carolina through to moncton new brunswick we never took 90 or is it 95 95 yeah yeah, yeah we okay, would, okay. We, we never and 95 is the one that goes through dc philly new york boston, I th- I, I, yeah Nicole, it goes to like, boston yeah. Because like, doesn't that turn into like the Mass Turnpike and it goes all the way up and down the coast? I feel like I think so. Kind of I think I think it goes from Miami all the way up. Yeah, but we never took that way because my mom was like, I don't want to go through DC. I, I would have loved that because invariably it would mean that we would stop in <laughs> particular cities, and that would have been my entry point into different cities. Yeah. We, but we would always go these like random scenic routes. We're going to drive through West Virginia and Western Pennsylvania. So I've always just held like some reservation. That the, the main reason I've never been, firstly, I don't really have a reason to go. If I have a reason to go, I'm not opposed. But we just never went that way. But you didn't have like eighth grade field trips where you were like, now we're going to see historical. Like we had to go, we had to, whatever. We were lucky. We went to like, you know, seventh grade. It was like, we're going to all pile in a bus and we're going to see the Liberty Bell. And then eighth grade, it was like, let's go to Boston and 
do the freedom trail. <laughs> like, I were you just too my, far away from New York for that? Okay. Well, yes. On the first, on the, on the second question. Okay. The first question is more: If there was a field trip, was Daniel allowed to go based on behavior? Got it. So that's that Ooh, one. Okay. <laughs> and and Sorry. if he was allowed to go, he had to have a parental chaperone <gasps> or chaperone. Were you so, that kid? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, I'm. I mean, what I'm doing now is basically all it was. I was just talking back and just. Com- I was in no. constant conversation with teachers. I, uh, maybe like oppositional defiance slightly. No, you just want things <laughs> to say. Exactly. Exactly. Um. So the only field trip I can remember that we actually had to drive and get on a bus is we went from a place called Martinsville, Virginia. Okay. To Virginia Beach. You and to the beach. Yeah, we went to the beach. We went dolphin watching. Like what? it was one of my first times consciously on a boat. I was born in Halifax, so you're always on ferries and things. But like on a boat, I remember getting sick and like I think we saw like one whale or dolphins were there. I forget. But yeah, like that was that was the one trip that we went on and my dad had to go with me. I which mean, was not fun. to say anything bad about Philadelphia, but that sounds much cooler than the Liberty Bell. <laughs> It was. We got to stay in like a nice hotel, I think. Well, nice relative to me. I don't know. Nice yeah. relative to you. And yeah, it was like our class. This was fifth, sixth grades. Wow. Yeah. So that was that was my one school field trip that like I, I concretely remember. And then like we as as a family, we went to DC and I got to go to like the Smithsonian and that yeah. kind of stuff. But n- never New York. So like whenever I talk to people from New York, I'm always quite interested in how diverse is it really? Because on paper, <laughs> I see it. But in actuality, I'm not quite convinced. So my comparison is going to be L.A. Because L.A. also has these places that are called like Thai Town and Koreatown. And, you know, um, but both because New York is is so small and so packed in and because most people don't drive. That's why I need to live there. I don't have a license. Same. There, It's really... <laughs> You, you know, in LA, if you live in Koreatown, which obviously like originated as a place where Korean immigrants, mostly only Korean immigrants live, if you live there, you have to take steps to, you know, it it takes more time to leave there because it takes more, you know, Mm, land geographically. Yeah. If you live in Koreatown in New York, you live in what, like 15 buildings and you have to leave Koreatown. (laughs) Because you have to eventually like go food shopping or go to your job or go to the library. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so I think in that sense, like, you know, it may have the same makeup of diversity, but everybody just by virtue of the fact that they live crammed together, you know, mm. you're taking the subway with the same people and you have to cross, path, cross, cross paths a number of times. Like that sort of, I, I hate saying, I wish there was a better way to say this, but like there's, in, there's forced diversity. Mm. Um, having said that, it is he suffers enormously from gentrification. You know, where I was born in Brooklyn, I'll give you this one. When I moved, when my brother and I each separately moved back to Brooklyn, um, <laughs> he, my mom was like shocked. She said, you know, we sp- they spent so much time trying to get us, get, you know, the family out of Brooklyn. And when we told her, when my brother particular told her that he was moving back to Brooklyn. He was moving to Gowanus. And she was like, that is where people go to get shot. Like there is no way, you know, you can 
be safe and survive. And there's nothing even there except for like the disgusting river, which is a super fun site, which factual and like dead bodies. Well, (laughs) that had been true, you know, when we were both kids in Brooklyn, but now obviously there's like Starbucks. Foods. <laughs> Starbucks, Whole Foods. There is more what? than one Starbucks. There's a Whole Foods, and there's probably like a fitness, WeWork. A, a, um, what's, what are those? Is it 90 minute fitness? What are those fitness gyms? It's like a brand well, of gym that's one, everywhere. There's an axe throwing place in, in Guana. So, like, you know, hmm. like, oh, wow. Yeah. And and in some cases, like, they, they started cleaning up the river. That's positive. But in other places, people cannot afford to live there. And hmm. who does that affect? It affects communities of color who had been living there way back in the day when nobody gave a shit about cleaning up the river or their air quality. They only care now because, like, younger, richer white people are moving there. Mm. Um, and that's I remember, what oh, in New York. I remember there's a story that Spike Lee said about his dad. So his dad is, I think it's Bill Lee. He's a jazz musician. Yeah. And they're obviously from Brooklyn. All of the movies have some Brooklyn link, it feels uh, like. Excuse me, Spike and I have been to some of the same Knicks games. So <laughs> <laughs> anybody has anybody who's been to a Knicks thing been been to a Knicks game been Without to a game Spike? with Spike Lee? I mean, maybe but, yeah. one day when he had like had strep and he wasn't there. Mm. He like I was on set, but no. <laughs> so, so Spike was telling a story about how it was a story about gentrification and about how in Brooklyn, his dad lives in a brownstone and he comes out on the on the stoop, I guess, and plays yeah. his trumpet because he's a jazz musician. And what has happened recently or recently, I guess, in that context was the white people who moved back have been like, uh, can you please stop playing your trumpet? And like they call police or whatever yeah. ordinances. And it's like you move back to this place because it's culturally I don't know, sophisticated or interesting. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes a place where people want to live. But then the things that make it interesting, you'd like to get rid of. Yeah. And just somebody... push people out. Like it's very, it's an, it's an odd, but it's not odd given the United States is a settler colonial institution. Like it makes perfect sense why that would be like it is. Yeah. The way that Sorry. it is. Yeah. I, one of my um, professors once said something i'm trying to remember it was he said something like gentrification is sort of about the people who move places because they want the culture but they don't want what created the culture mm-hmm. um you know that's obviously not just typical of new york but i always feel that any time that somebody talks about like improvement projects or you know red maybe, flag yeah yeah because you can't or so far i haven't really seen any kind of successful attempt to sort of improve any, you know, this is a city that was like built on the back of Robert Moses, who like deliberately cut off the South Bronx with his urban plan. You know, we, you have to like undo those scars to rebuild. I I don't know how possible that is. I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. So a lot of people I would meet, and there's this thing from people from New York that they love to tell you they're from New York. So I didn't know that until I left New York and then I realized how obnoxious we are. Can I do like a blanket apology? <laughs> no, no I, I, I don't think there's anything to apologize for. Um, it's true. We talk about it a lot and I'm going to blame the lack of bagels everywhere else. <laughs> like we just take for granted that bagels are like good and cheap and freely available. And then we leave New York and we are shocked and hmm. deeply upset. I think we're just lost a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what was I going to say? In high school, like kids would show up, like new kids would arrive. And because of the hip hop choices that I make, I'm very into my Nas, my Jay-Z, my Biggie, my Mm -hmm. like just New York style or just 
East, East Coast hip hop, right? So a lot of the friends that I would make would be from East Coast cities like Philly, New York, places like that. So, so my guy David was from Philly. Then there was David and Chucky. They were twins. They were from Brooklyn. And my guy Tonio was from Harlem. And I, I used to think like, why are all of these people coming from New York? Like, what is, is are people evacuating New York? Like, what is going on? And then I realized, so I don't know if I realized this then. There's no way I had the bandwidth to put all this together. But Black people moved from the South to Detroit, Chicago, mm-hmm. Philly, Boston, New York, places like, like the the Great Migration, as it were. Yeah. Then gentrification starts happening in these areas once the factory jobs leave and all of that. So people are moving back, essentially, to the South where their aunties, uncles, or wherever are. So all of these friends that I was making from New York, if I went back and I did like the the history of it or traced it, it's like it has to do with the gentrification that's happening there. And then they're moving back where cost of living is cheaper and they actually do have roots. Yeah. So it's that reverse. It's like a reverse migration that's happening. Or an inver- I don't know what it is, but it's yeah. very interesting to me. I wonder, I bet there's some, probably more than one, you know, book or journal or research article looking at exactly that. I read The Warmth of Other Suns Oof. some time ago. Yeah. I've forgotten it, but it ha- it deals with the great migration. I'm trying to think of like post-migrationism, yeah. something like that. Anyway. I guess we're in um, it still. I don't know. Probably, yeah. All right. So your father was a footballer. Yes. This is a new piece of information, which I'll tap into. <laughs> what was that like living with a footballer? And and how far did your brother go with football? Was 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 he not bitten by the bug oh. in the same way you were? No, my brother gave no shits. Um, he collected basketball <laughs> cards. He had his 10th birthday at Madison Square Garden. Um, yes, he we had a. Who was his favorite Nick, was, though? Who was his favorite Nick? So who's. I don't know if he had a favorite Nick. Mine was John Starks. I had a poster of John Starks above my bed for a long time doing the dunk. <laughs> but my, my, we also had, um, so my brother really didn't hit a growth spurt until high school. He used to like eat a bowl of cereal and then measure himself and then eat another bowl of cereal and then measure himself. <laughs> we had a poster of Magic Johnson that Aww. was like, it had like um like the, his height on it with like exactly. the little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. How do I do? Yeah. So, you know, you can measure yourself up against magic. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I am empathetic to that. Like, I think maybe magic's head had to go like a little bit over the ceiling. because Magic was six foot nine. So. Yeah. And I just remember my brother, like, you know, my, my small baby brother, like standing every day, almost measuring himself to see if he sort of reached magic's hip. Oh man. Like the the basketball bug, I relate fully oh. as immigrant, second generation, first generation, whatever it is, kid who just loves the NBA, loves basketball, and hope that they grow to be the six eight power forward for the University yes. of North Carolina. Yes. That was me. But uh How many you times know, did you watch Space Jam as a kid? Numerous, countless yes. times. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um yeah. Yeah. Just good, good memories, good memories. Like, but see, my thing was, I was always the tallest kid. Or put it this way: if you're taller than me, you're really tall. What, and if you're shorter you, than me, you're. Say again. Did you start grow? Like, were you just always that? Tall? I was always, yeah. I was all. I I never felt like I got the growth spurt. I was just always mm. bigger than everyone. And then, but I never got my like six four, six five. I'm just a solid six one. 
maybe a little bit taller depending on the shoes, maybe a little yeah. bit shorter depending on the shoes. But you know, six one is is a, is a solid claim. But I never got my growth spurt to, to where I could even measure like on the magic chart, if you will. Well, so you'd be on the magic chart, just you know, you'd be like shoulder. Football would have been a better use of my interests and abilities. Yeah. Actually, did you play? No. I was tempted to once, but all my energy went to basketball, just in the YMCA practicing free throws for no reason. <laughs> so, yeah, your dad, how was he played here professionally yeah. or he played no. in Uruguay no. professionally? Yeah, my father was a goalkeeper and he has always said that goalkeepers always want to be forwards, that they always want to score goals. Hmm. Um, I don't know how true that is. Other goalkeepers, you can chime in. But he left Uruguay um, during the military dictatorship, so before he graduated high school. And then played overseas a bit. And then when he came here, he played in this like hobby league and he only stopped a couple years ago. I, my favorite was when he was playing five, 10 years ago on Sundays and it was mostly South Americans and majority of Argentinians. And these men would, they would take smoke breaks. Was it one of those leagues where like you can, you're only allowed to walk? No, Do you know so those you, ones? You would think, right? Because seeing them on the sidelines I mean, smoke, chain smoking and screaming at each other in just the most, I mean, cool Spanish. I yes. <laughs> then they'd get on the pitch and they'd kill each other. And then they'd come off and they would smoke. It was so great. Um, so, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go. I was, I was going to transition. So if you have one last thought, go for it. I got nothing. Tottenham. Why? <laughs> Oh, it's my father's fault. Listen, if we can blame things on our parents, we should. He's a Spurs fan. Is this Ardiles era or is this before Very even? Good. This was before even when he was a kid, they would play matches on the radio. You know, I probably shouldn't even say this, but Spurs had an Argentinian, blah, blah, fine, fine. Yes, Ardiles. Sorry, I thought you said Poget. Um, So Spurs had... Ardiles, and that's what they would play on the radio. So he became a Spurs fan. And then when he came here, they had Gus Poget, who was the first Uruguayan to play in the EPL. Chelsea player, formerly. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so you got passed on the anguish? The, yeah. This, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. For like a minute when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. I really loved United because they had Diego Forlan. Remember mm -hmm. that era? It was like Diego Forlan, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Jimmy yep. Howard, and Beckham. Yep, yep, yep. I that remember. Was my, that was my second of United fandom. I was never tempted, but Thierry Henry did have like a uh, little hold on me where I was just like, I really like Thierry Henry. Yeah. So, but it was it was never a temptation to join Arsenal outright. I mean, you but, have a very strong will. Well, Arsenal wore <laughs> red. Our Arsenal wore red. So it was outside of the question. Like that just can't happen. So it's been what, 15 years since Spurs last won a trophy. I remember it well because you guys beat. Chelsea in the League Cup final, um, which going back to streaming, I had to take <laughs> like 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 2008 seven is around when I discovered streaming, so that was that was good. Maybe six. I think you're but, way um, earlier than me. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, I was out here in these in these illegal streets. In the um, wild. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this way with all Tottenham. It's like, why do you do this to yourself? Yeah, no, that is the autobiography that all Spurs fans will write is going to be called 
Tottenham, why do we do this to ourselves? It's just going to be an empty book. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? Some part of me thinks that like that in itself is just representative of being a football fan in general, because it's the hope that kills you, Mm. but you have no choice because you like swear up down and sideways that you're never going to watch your stupid team again and this is the last thing and you know you hate them because they bring you nothing but anguish and then where are you the next match you're like ready with your cup of coffee to watch your stupid players break your stupid heart all over again <laughs> which team do you dislike the most so Arsenal, like spurs are always in beefs i think it's west ham chelsea arsenal <laughs> everyone did, yeah i mean did, arsenal, were, were, were you passed on the hate for other yeah. clubs as well no, Arsenal no. are traditional rivals, but I also re- they had Lucas Toreira, and I love Hector Bejerin no matter where he goes. Um, <laughs> I just love that man. No, I, I we can't talk about. I really don't like Chelsea, and I really don't like Man City. But you know what? That's fine. We'll skip that part. No, 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 no. I'm. I was talking with my friend Paul the other day. It'll be the episode that comes up before this one. Okay, what did Paul I, say? I no, no. I was telling him I don't like my football club. So if, if if you want to trash Chelsea, I will I will ride shotgun with you. So I I know genuinely I don't like and I don't want this to become a theme of the thing. So two episodes in a row, this is what we're doing. But I don't like my football club at all. I get so, that. I really truly understand that. So yeah. You know what? The only thing I could say for Spurs. And you guys I'm, don't have a history of racism. Yeah. In the, no, in the same way. I, that's what I was going to say. The only thing I could say, and I can't even say this for very long because who knows what's going to happen. Mm. Is that so far we only have one fascist and no known rapists or racists? And like, what a terrible <laughs> metric! I'm sorry for laughing, but that's by. it's so bad, right? <laughs> right. Like, so the team was going to hire Gattuso, and the the fans made a huge giant stink because he is a virulent homophobe, and they gave into the fans, and I was proud of that. But like that's a really low, but the lowest bar is that I wouldn't feel bad. I've been dying for us to get rid of Lucas Moda because oh well, yeah, yeah yeah you know like you should you should be able to hold your team to like a basic human rights level question mark and I don't think many of us can do that. Just go back to the convo with Paul. Paul was or is a United fan. I w- I was saying I don't like my football club, Paul, and he's a psychotherapist, and he was like, <laughs> yeah, that happens, and he was like, I didn't like United or I didn't enjoy United to the point where he stopped doing his United podcast that was very successful because wow. they signed Ronaldo. Wow. Oh, I love Paul. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, I think maybe the podcast was taken away from his actual job of helping people with their with their problems okay, uh, in their mind. But but like R- Ronaldo was a bit, it was a big issue because he just doesn't like him. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Yeah. So, and I was like, can you help me? Essentially. <laughs> he was like, no, because this is just kind of just what happened. Well, I, he didn't say no, but that's how I took it. So it's like, this is what happens that you fall in and out of love with your football club. So, yeah, that's where I am. So if you if you need to say bad things about Chelsea, I will probably be there with you. No, you know what? I don't have, I think that's why I don't have as much of a problem with the fact that my team is shit right now. Mm. Like, I don't go into hysterics over like, we should trade Son. He hasn't scored goals. Or like, Harry Kane wants to leave. Like, honestly, he probably should. We're not, like, he's been with us for a long, no, like, he's been with us for a long time. He's done amazing things for us. If he's, I don't want an unhappy player at my club. Mm. Like, we'll figure that stuff out. It's the fact that I, I don't trust my team because I don't trust any team to do the basic thing and like, 
we as fans do get emotionally invested and we should be able to trust that our teams are going to protect our players, which they don't. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that with like concussion protocol over and over going out of the EPL for a while, for like a second, Atletico fans, the abuse and racism that was thrown at Vinny Jr. Mm. They should have shut that match down. Like they should have systems in play where the second the team drove the bus and saw that they turned right back around and were fully supported and saying, we're not going to play because our players are not safe. Boom, done, goodbye. But that's not there, Mm. you know? And until that happens and that's top down, I mean, that is Gianni Infantino all the way, all the way down. But until that happens, like how can, how are any of us really going to love our teams? So we've talked about Uruguay before. So if you want to know kind of the foundational elements of Uruguay, you can maybe go back to the old uh, World Cup podcast that we've done twice now. Yeah. Um, but so I will play a word association game with you. You only get to say one word. Oh, God. Okay. And I'm going to name some people. And um, you're going to tell me what you think in one word. All right. Okay. <laughs> Antonio Conte. Uh, mullet. <laughs> I know it's the first thing that came to mind. I just think he needs a haircut. Okay. No, no, no. no it's fine. Okay. Hogman's son. <gasps> Oh, love. Hugo Lloris. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> why? <laughs> Jermaine Defoe. What's one word for, I miss him, and I want him to have all the best things. Harry Kane. Um, droopy. <laughs> droopy? Yeah. His poor little face is droopy. Ah, that's funny. Shout out my homie, Droopy. He, there's no way he knows... That I even said that, but he's listening right now. His name is his name was was is Andrew. I haven't <gasps> talked to him in years, but whenever oh, I heard hi, Droopy, Droopy. yeah, Andrew Ham, shout out him. And last one, Levy, Daniel Levy. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's my word. Ugh. I was gonna say that that suffices. So the way I came across you was. I think unusual efforts. So I want to nail something else down that we, I don't think we talked about this. What did you study in university? Oh, okay. Um, undergrad, I studied theater and literature, and then I did a master's in public health. So how did you go from theater to public health? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so you can cut this out if not. So I was, I got into uh, into grad school for theater and I was ready to start in January. And then the 2016 elections happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of us, and I had wanted to be an actor since I was like six years old. And all of a sudden I was like, none of this matters anymore. Like, how do I, I, I literally turned to my friend and I was like, how do I study abortions? <laughs> um, and I went to school for public health and I concentrated in maternal child, sexual and reproductive health. And I don't know. Thanks Trump. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, so the, the, the 2016 election for you was like a, a big turning point. In the, in the course of your life, just seeing that the country could go, I don't, in my context, the country has always been a right country, but seeing oh, yeah. it go, I guess that obvious turned something for you. So I had, I had always been, I had volunteered mm-hmm. in the advocacy space before I volunteered as a translator for survivors of trafficking. I volunteered as a clinic, Planned Parenthood, but I, but anyone who has parents who are m- I won't say anyone. Most people who have who either have immigrated here, have parents or immigrants, are never going to tell you that this country is like was ever great, 
is great or like potentially could be great again. But I think what the election did was solidify that there was no excuse for me to like keep that as like a volunteer, like a hobby Mm. and not just do all the work. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. We could go to many different places. Right. (laughs) Now. Okay. (laughs) You know, I, I have to be honest to myself. Now you say you work with Planned Parenthood, right? Yeah. Now, let me just start out here. I am 1000% in agreement that women should have the right to do whatever they want to do with their body. If there's something in you growing and you don't want it, remove it. I'm totally there. However, and it's, it's not really however, I do look at like the history of Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and like eugenics, essentially. And I do think, how do people square those two ideas? And and when people do that from someone who's actually done the study and done the work, is that a right thing to pop in my mind, especially in the context of someone who claims Pan-Africanism and like what the government does to Black people and all this stuff? Like, does that argument have any sway? And I'm, I'm quite curious as somebody who actually does the work. Is that a compelling idea of like this Planned Parenthood thing with relation to African people was started in the wrong way. Maybe what it does now is cool, but is is there anything there that I should be like questioning in my mind at least? Yeah. So I think it's necessary. I um, So I volunteer at Planned Parenthood. I work in reproductive health, but I, for me, the teachings and the learnings that I'm still doing, because it's never ending, mm-hmm. really focuses on reproductive justice. And that started as a movement and as a learning with black women in the 90s who you know said it's it can't just be a choice no choice binary but it also has to take all that in you can't just like wake up on a tuesday in 2000 and say you know we're only looking forward because that dismisses all of you know the very relevant and continuous trauma this country perpetuated and still does mm. um so reproductive justice is distinct from like reproductive health or reproductive access, mostly in in what you said, you know, it says that people have the right to parent or not parent to grow the families that they choose. And they, to do that, have the right to the access and the services that that they need. And that includes, you know, sex ed, contraception, abortion, Mm -hmm. early childhood education, um, you know, all of the things that you would hope um, in a healthy society people have equitable access to. It also, though, demands that everybody recognize that like generational trauma is both emotionally and mentally and physically very real. And people feel that in different ways. And so like there's a study called Weathering. This is the nerdy shit that I love. That No, no, no. no. I, I am right here with you. I am writing down notes. So like, um, so the, the clear thing is like the Planned Parenthood where I volunteered at New York had been called since the beginning, the Margaret Sanger Clinic. A couple of years ago, they were like, hold up, right? Margaret Sanger, both holding, you know, you can hold space for the fact that she was a pioneer in the birth control space and was a virulent fucking racist. And one of those things holds a lot more weight right now. So with ceremony, they stripped her name off the building. And that mattered, but that couldn't like be the be all and end all. It wasn't like, and now we're done. Right. Um, You know, it was like why we did that mattered and let's keep learning about why. So weathering is this theory, the specifically 
African American women, so people whose you know generational lines came from enslaved people, um, their telomeres, the little like tibby tabs on the end of your DNA that like look like little shoelace tips, um, mm-hmm. are actually shorter, and that is due to generational stress. So you're actually feeling like these women are feeling the stresses of their ancestors. And that causes chronic illnesses and comorbidities. If you look at somebody like, you know, Serena Williams, who has all the money, Mm -hmm. right? Economically, she's doing better than most of us. But she still almost died from, you know, maternal comorbidities. Mm. That is like this example of weathering that Black women's pain is taken less seriously, that they have to fight for more, you know, access and attention in the hospital, and that they suffer from more of these maternal and prenatal mortality and morbidities. I think at even in New York, four times the rate of their white peers. So, wow. You know, so yes, long answer is all. No, no, no. answer is like, it so matters that everybody asks the question. Because that's the only way we're going to get to the fact that that reproductive care is also racial equity, you know, that all of these things are intersectionally linked and and, and matter. So that what the weathering concept, it's, is that like in the epigenetic kind <gasps> of? Yes, Daniel, it is. Epigenetics okay. is my favorite class. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting concept, how your lived circumstance can have an effect not only on your mental health, but also like your genes, essentially. And genes would mean DNA. So then when you started talking about the shoelaces on the end of your DNA, I guess, that kind of triggered the thought in my mind of, oh, that sounds like epigenetics. And then my mind also went to this brilliant the, thing. I, the, the idea of epigenetics does have a nasty, it's it's a very interesting idea. And obviously if it's, if it's been studied, perhaps it's there. But this is why I lost the thought because I thought of something else, but then I didn't say it. And the thought that I thought was that also has a dangerous, it could have a dangerous application. Oh, yeah. Because people could say, well, because this thing has happened to you, X should then happen to you as well. Yeah. Or like, you know, I mean, this is what I do all day is like, be afraid of what (laughs) potential concepts can. I remember. Go, go, go. No, I was I was going to say, I think reproductive justice is imperative, not only because of the reasons that you outlined, but because if you don't want a child, you are going to find a way not to have it. Yeah. And people can go in a myriad of directions and do very unhealthy and dangerous things to themselves in the effort of not having a child. So whenever people are like, nah, you got to do this, you got to do that, as if that's going to stop a woman who is dead set on not having a child, not having a child. I mean, to want to live in a society that will perpetuate the idea that a woman doesn't have access to like very basic elements. I find that just terribly distressing and annoying. And yeah, it's just, that's, that's where my mind was going. It's just like women will, not every woman, but women will have abortions. You're not stopping abortion by not legislating it. You're just making it very difficult and dangerous but that doesn't eliminate the idea or the concept. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, taught preschool for a really long time. It's the best job in the world, but children shouldn't be a punishment. You know, you shouldn't like have to have a child because Mm. you did some, you know, some legislator somewhere thinks you had had sex. And so you 
who Just then who then friends. will fund an abortion on the sneak for his own mistress yeah like, <laughs> like exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know you want parents to want their kid <laughs> ideally that would be the goal yeah that, that, that that's that's the ideal world so how do you transition from our very jokey but heavy conversation for <laughs> reproductive justice to unusual efforts in writing about football. How do you make that limp? Like, obviously, it's there where your history and your dad and your brother and your environment obviously create someone who loves football. But how do you get into, like, the podcasting writing space about football? Then? God, um, I mean, now, like, unusual efforts is this really amazing space because we can easily write about, I don't know, why Antoine Griezmann's hair is so stupid. But we've also written about you know how distressing it is when Antoine uh, Griezmann does blackface <laughs> exactly, yeah exactly exactly and that all that like there's yeah. a home for that mm. for all of that unusual mm. efforts so I think that is really special uh Kirsten Schlewitz who's the founder of unusual efforts she had like put something out on Twitter and I responded like oh my god I wish I could do that I would just write about Diego Forlan all the time and she was like do it and I was like oh god <laughs> when someone invites you to do the idea and then you're like oh no it's work yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I was like I didn't mean it I don't know how and she was like send me a send me a pitch and I was like okay um I, I and then I was writing and then it was like you know I sort of looked around and I was like three articles about Uruguay in and I was like, am I writing about this now? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a thing that I'm doing. That's how it works. That's how they get you. Yeah. That's how they get you. But you know, it's, it's good. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did that. Otherwise we wouldn't know each other. So and there's we, like, I think that's the best part is the, uh, the, the community. community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are almost at an hour. So we're going to do the quick fire rounds and we're going to get out of here. All right. Okay. Ready? And this time you can't tell me to like, Pick who's going to win a tournament because there isn't one. <laughs> the last good documentary you watched. Oh, I don't know if this. And and and, and the, just these are quick fire in theory. You can take okay. as much time and settle as long as you want. Okay, it was. I don't remember what it's called. But it was a documentary about um, the Ohm cult, and it was on Netflix. Ohm cult is that yeah. okay? Whenever I think of cults, is is this in America? Don't tell yes. me the state. Yes, it's in America. Is it in Utah? No. <laughs> but that was a very good guess. Can I tell you what OM stands for? This might help. Okay, go for it. Orgasm meditation. Orgasm meditation. Yes. What state would have that? Florida. No, oh, that's also a good no, California. Cali, okay. I mean, Florida man, Florida woman. I was just thinking maybe the villages, yeah. It sounds it interesting, though. but no, whenever I think of cults, I think of Utah. Um, makes sense. If you could be an animal for one day, which animal would you pick? <gasps> a slow loris. What is a slow? Oh, see, yeah, I've got to stop with these animals I've never heard of. A slow, yeah, you have to look them up. They're loris? So cute, and they're so small, and they always look surprised. Oh, it's like Loris. It looks okay. like I know. Are you no, looking? No, 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 like like Loris is spelled like Loris. Spelled like Loris. Is this? And they live in, in little communities. Is this in Madagascar? Is this like a? a Do lemur? you see them? Yeah, I'm looking at. I mean, how good are they? I mean, they're kind of. The eyes are kind of too big. They're just see. surprised, and they live together. <laughs> like little, they're just little families. They look like small pandas almost. They do. 
but just the eyes are just kind of big. All right, okay, I feel you, I feel you. And that just gave me a whole Zabumafu yes. flashback. Oh my God, amazing, yes, good reference. <laughs> Your favorite skill move that a player does or, 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 or just to watch. Oh my God. What? Just our word association. I'm gonna I have to add one more name. Okay. Okay. You know what? But but my, but, but but your favorite skill move. My favorite skill move is a clean penalty with no stutter starts. Like easy run up. So your skill move is a penalty. Yeah. And I like I know that sounds dumb, but I am so annoyed at all these penalties that are like the Neymar is all yeah. of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when someone's just like Fuck it. I am gonna run and I'm gonna kick. I just think it's so it's so refreshing. My my last word association. Okay. Rashallison. <gasps> Perfection. <laughs> you see, word association is unfair because I can talk in sentences. You can just say perfection. I he, love Rashallison. I love I love the ideas that he comes up with. Yeah. Maybe not him himself, but the ideas he comes up with, because look. I've learned this with Brazilians. There are only one Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or Twitch post from kind of annoying me. So I don't want to get attached too much to them. Okay, because, that's very fair. But like Bolsonaro might be around the corner. However, no, but he's a beautiful socialist baby. I hope. For now. <laughs> I hope. I hope. The Richarlison of today <laughs> is, a, is a beautiful socialist. Baby. Like, like, I, I, my childhood is ruined. Like, Ronaldinho, bro, oh. like, what's going on, man? Do you not never ever look up Pepe Reina? I mean, I don't care about Pepe Reina, but he's he's worse. Oh my god, that man is like a full on Franco fascist. Oh my god, yeah, I know. Although he's Ronaldo a goalkeeper that wears too. he's like a goalkeeper Brazilian that wears Ronaldo. short sleeves. It might be a hint. Oh no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like goalkeepers who wear short sleeves, so. Um, but yeah, Rashardson. Okay, all right. Yeah, maybe maybe I rock with Rashardson even yeah. more. Like there's just little things that he does, like dribbling with his head or keeping yeah. uppies, or he'll I mean, take he'll, uh, he'll take unnecessary that. touches and flicks. Like I love watching Rashardson, but I'm I'm I watch football for disrespect. <laughs> um, your your favorite TV show? Right now it's Abbott Elementary. Okay, all right, yeah. I hear that. But of all time, oh fuck. Um... <laughs> I don't. Oh, maybe Shit's Creek. Actually, Shit's Creek. I don't know if I've ever seen that. <gasps> okay, even before you go to New York, you need to watch Shit's Creek. It's so good. Oh, is it a thirty-minute or an hour? Kind it's like of thing? twenty-eight. I'll watch a pilot, and I'll tell you what I think about. It's not going to get you. <laughs> well, you got to give it to you. Where's Where's question number five? Here we go. Your house is on fire. Sorry about it. Okay. Um, you can only grab three things. What okay. do you grab? And my, house, apartment, whatever. My dog. Got to. My passport. Yep. And my grandma's journal. Wow. Okay. Good answers. Good answers. The passport one, I have to admit, every time people say it, I'm like, I didn't think of that when I wrote down the question. Oh my God, you have to be able but, to flee the country. Hmm. Um, and the dog, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Would the dog know to run out? Is it smart enough? He'd follow me. You're right. Yeah, but I'd make sure. He'd, okay. I'd just know. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. The, all right. So these are, these are my three favorite ones. Although Paul has corrected me on something. <laughs> I don't know if I should ask them, but I will. Okay. So, sorry, Paul. Um, 
basically sadness and anger are basically one and the same. They're yeah. just different expressions of the same emotion. But I feel like I need to reword it. But how, how about this? The time football, if it has, has made you cry. And if it hasn't, the time it's made you most sad. I can tell you the first time it made me cry All right. was 94. I was a kid. And it was when, um, do you remember the Colombian player who scored the own goal and he was killed? Escobar. Yeah. Have My you father. seen that 30 for 30? The yes. two, two Escobar? It's two a really Escobar, good yeah. one. It's a good I, one. I was like eight or nine. And Is I, it Andres? What was his name? Yes. I cried inconsolably. And I think it was that like something I loved so much had, had you know, like somebody could make it into something brutal yeah. or something. I don't know. I just remember not like the hurt mm. and crying like that. So, yeah. But that was, that was yeah, that wasn't good. Um, the time football has made you most happy. Oh, you're going to hate this. No, no, no. If it's 2008, it's 2008. It's 2010, bud. What happened in 2010? Uruguay. It was Uruguay's World Cup. We came the closest. Oh, and it was, it was oh that made you happy? I'm that so is sorry. easy. I am so sorry. <laughs> it wasn't that moment. It wasn't that moment. It was the Abreu, it was the Abreu um, Panenka penalty. Oh, the one at the end? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's he's he's the one that looked like Jesus, right? He had like long yes. hair. Yes. Yeah. Or Jesus yes. as they draw it. Or yes, yes. He's um, Venus, he's Uruguayan Jesus, yes. Yes. Oh man. But no, no, I I I fully understand. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Um and this is my favorite one. Although okay. again, but Paul has told me that it's the same thing. The time football has made you most angry, livid. Okay, I understand why Paul said that. Now I feel like I need to schedule an appointment with Paul because I'm not I'm not good at angry. I I cry. Like my anger just goes to tears. There we go. Um, you know what? We are we I I needed to ask it one more time does Paul and then take judge health insurance. <laughs> Say again. Does Paul take health insurance? Should we all just sign up for like um, Paul, Paul Paul is in Birmingham, England. So, if you if you need oh. to I don't know if he does teletherapy. NHS. Um, <laughs> NHS. All right. Yeah. There we go. So I'll, I'll just, I, I needed no, to ask it one more time and then as, assess the answer. No, I'll just, and I feel it. like it he's was right. This past World Cup, and it was mm. when we won our match against Ghana. And then, but like <laughs> Portugal let Korea score so that we wouldn't go through. It was fucking furious. <laughs> The picture of Suarez on the bench. <laughs> I was livid, and that ref. I have I have words for him in Spanish that I shouldn't oh, say. Oh boy, that was good. A country you haven't been to yet that you'd like to visit. Oh, there, um, Elche in Spain. Mm. Their pitch is just, it's like nestled into the mountains. It is so beautiful. So either that one or Gibraltar. Is Elche the one where there's like an apartment above the stadium? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like people kick the ball and it goes into yes. a man's literal house. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think I know what you're talking about. But you said, so Spain, you haven't been there. And what was the second? Oh, Gibraltar. Because like, anytime right. I see their national team play, it also it looks like somebody was like, oh, crap, we need a stadium. Let's just put it here. So last quick fire question. Okay. Just, these, you, you, know, have you, ever, you must have because you're a, was a, were an aspiring actress. You ever watch Inside the Actors Studio? Yes. With Lipton, um, I, I feel like these, yeah. these these are my questions. I'm not going to ask you your favorite curse word. Think that I would be on that show. Mm. 
What is your favorite swear word? Everybody, everybody would just say fuck. Everybody would just say fuck. Um, my last question is, okay. and I, I took this one from Carl, but I really like it. Dead or alive, you can bring them back. We are making a music festival, and okay. you get to decide the headline acts of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. So I need three headliners. You can bring anybody back. And if you can, I would like which era album they're performing. Okay. I want, please, Brandy Chastain. Brett, what do she she does music? No, not Brandy. We're two separate Brandies. Did I say Brandy Chastain? Brandy, Brandy Carlisle. Did. Sorry. Sorry, Brandy Chastain. You're great. I don't know if you play music. Brandy Carlisle, please. <laughs> so that, that's your Friday headline? That's Brandy my Carlisle. Friday. Then I want Creedence Clear, Clearwater Revival. I think maybe some of them are dead, but some of them are alive. So I would revive the ones who are dead. <laughs> they would all be living for this performance. Okay, that's Saturday. So who's your who's your last headlining act? And then I want oh my god, so much pressure for a last one. And then am I reviving Aretha for this? No, I'm popping Carol King on there. She's alive. She'll come. Carol King. Yeah, I saw her in the news recently. What did what, she do? What what happened? What? what it was it was um it was it was there, there were these people who were mad at that, that that no they were mad at Aretha Franklin because um natural woman Aretha's dead why are we mad at her no they were mad at the song because like the the the, the song suggested there was a such thing as a natural woman so they were trying to cancel mm-hmm. oh, it was it, it was a fake post actually the trans community is mad at natural woman because oh. it suggested there could only be, but then people were like, it's not even an Aretha Franklin song. Right. So we're trying to cancel Aretha Franklin. It's a Carol King song in the original. Yes, it is. So that's where I heard of. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Wow, I think that's, that's my lineup. That is a very interesting Jesse fest. If we want to call it that. This is why I confuse Spotify. Spotify has no idea what to do with me. Cause I'm like, please. Eclectic. E- eclectic is the word. Yeah. I'm like, I want Rhiannon and Giddens and Broadway with a, dash of Motown. And it's there like, you, you can have K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last, last question. Okay. Is there anything coming out that the people should know about? And if not, where can people find you? People can find me hiding under my bed crying. Um, I <laughs> am at Jesse Loesch on the Twitter. The link to that will be in the description. I'll throw in your link to unusual efforts as well. So people can follow your writing whenever you feel like putting that up there. You should definitely take care of a slow Loris so everybody can see how cute they are. If I was editing this for video, I would definitely do that. (laughs) Um, But yes, Jesse, I thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Um, This has been very fun and interesting. So thank you. Thank you. This is great. All right. Peace, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network.